three to us on St. Ignatius of Loyola by Father William Purcell. On July 31st, we celebrate the feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. That was the day in 1556 when he celebrated his heavenly birthday. That's the day he died. He was born about the time that the continent of America was discovered. Uh, So he really belongs to the end of the Middle Ages and the beginning of a new era. He was born in the Basque country of Spain, and he was born in a castle, the castle of the family of Loyola. Minor nobility, a kind of tradition over the generations of knights and soldiers, not really very cultured, but there was also the possibility of acquiring a bit of education as a courtier. And eventually Ignatius was en route to that career, and it was as a soldier that a great miracle occurred in his life. He was wounded, seriously wounded, in the leg. It looked like amputation was very probable, but in fact it was patched up with the medical skill of the day he referred to as butchery. But that was when he was taken back to the family home to convalesce, and during that period of rest, and inactivity, as he lay in bed, he received grace from God to change his whole scheme of life. This came about because he was desperate for something to read, and because the family were not that sophisticated, there wasn't even a library in the castle, so only a few books, but fortunately one of them was The Life of Christ, a kind of compilation based on the Gospels. And also there were lives of the saints. And he would like to have read the stories of knights in shining armor, but apparently there weren't any to hand. So he ended up reading the story of Christ and his saints. And as he lay there in the bed thinking about this, he realized that the idea of being a soldier of Christ really had a great appeal to him. Something moved within him. He calls it later consolation, but he means by that the Spirit of God bringing real peace as he considers that this could be something that he could do for his whole life. And when he dreamt of being a soldier again, he realized that although he would like to do that, it didn't have the same depth of feeling. And even doing that for a whole lifetime seemed less, after all, than being a soldier of Christ. So, at the end of that experience, he became a pilgrim. He begins this journey of pilgrimage at the monastery of Montserrat. He spends an all-night vigil in front of the image of Our Lady of Montserrat, the Black Madonna, as it's called. There he, he leaves his weapons at her feet and sets off, exchanging his fine uh, clothes with the clothes of a beggar. And so begins the time of searching for God's will for him. A time of solitude and prayer. He he would pray all day long. He let his hair grow, his nails were uncut, he became uh, rather a mess. But it was the enthusiasm of this experience of God as the center of everything. And so he wanted to spend every waking hour with God. And of course he was doing penance for the sins of his past. So he became a typical religious fanatic of the time. But during this period, he was discerning, is this the right way? Is this the best way to be a soldier of Christ? And this discernment of the different 
tendencies within him and the different spirits moving within him led him to see that in order to serve Christ best, he must serve the church. He must, in some way, be a part of the life of the church. So he he moves towards becoming a priest. Now, he doesn't know enough Latin to qualify, so he sits with the boys in a classroom to get the rudiments of Latin, and then he goes off to Paris, eventually, the best theology school in Europe. And it's there that things really begin to happen. He's cleaned himself up. He has a vision of where he needs to go in in the service of Christ. He seeks humbly the sacrament of ordination. And all this while, he's still praying, but in a more reasoning way. He's thinking as well as praying. He's reflecting on what really is happening inside. So from this experience comes a collection of notes, which eventually we call the spiritual exercises. And he thinks these are a really good way for anyone to help make a decision in life about how to follow God's will. So he gathers around him a group of students, and they become inspired by his vision of being reformed from within, even as the church itself in those days was going through the trauma of the Protestant uh, Reformation. Reform from within, and that begins with the individual. So the spiritual exercises begin to make a difference in the lives of some of those students. They decide to make their vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and they do this as a group in the chapel at Montmartre, And then they decide, well, we must do something, and they want to go to the Holy Land, um, perhaps to convert the Muslims facing probable death. Or perhaps a better way would be to go to the center of the church, the Pope. And that they do. Because even though Rome was seen as a center of political intrigue and ecclesiastical corruption, neither Ignatius nor his followers ever doubted that the Pope was the vicar of Christ, and that he had the best overview of the church, of the universal church and its needs. So, they go to Rome, and eventually Pope Paul III approves the uh, institution of a new order, the Society of Jesus. And so, this order is founded officially in 1540. Well, the work then uh, takes off, and this new order, with Ignatius as its head, based in Rome, becomes the center of a a whole missionary movement in the church. This leads to great adventures, Francis Xavier, for example, off to the Indies, eventually Japan. But closer to home, they're building educational institutions. The rapid expansion of the order represents the rebirth of the Catholic Church in what we call the Counter-Reformation. Well, just a word about his vision. It's based on the spiritual exercises, on personal experience of God. So Ignatius gave us ways of prayer that deepen our union with Christ and our commitment, the call of Christ and our response. And he gave us also the idea that we needn't be afraid of the world around us. We should engage in the culture, take part in the great events of our time, be a part of the life, because God is active in the world just as he is active in our lives. And so we discern our way to decide the best way of serving the gospel in the world. And this begins from a vision of finding God in all things. God is present and active in his creation 
and there's a wonderful meditation at the end of the exercises in which he even sees or feels the presence of God in nature itself. So nature and grace are a part of his vision, the unity of all things in God, and the desire always for his greater glory. Ad maiorum Dei Gloriam, to the greater glory of God. <laughs>